0: Hello and welcome back to the Southern Mafia podcast. We are excited to kick off the 21st season of the Lakeshore Boys. I certainly hope you are too. Before we get started, I'd like to thank Jordan Choddy for his hospitality in hosting the live portion of the draft. Your generosity knows no bounds. All in all, I thought it was a pretty successful draft. Good participation on the conference call for those who couldn't make it. Um, Bushnell working around his travel plans went fairly smoothly in my opinion so kudos to all involved. To kick off the season we've run each team's draft through our proprietary analytics software and have given each team a letter grade. We'll do a deep dive into each team's in the order they were drafted. First up the outdoor Heady Nuggets. I think the top of his board is where you see two real strengths in Jonathan Taylor and Justin Herbert. The rest of his running back room has potential, but certainly also has some question marks. We know Cam Akers came back from injury to play in the playoffs last year, but there's almost no track record of a running back returning to peak performance after an Achilles tear. Damian Pierce is certainly the buzz of training camp across the NFL. However, if the Texans do not use him in the passing game, he may have a limited ceiling playing for a bad offense. It's a mixed bag when you look at, look at the wide receiver core for the Nuggets. Keenan Allen has long been a consistent weapon for the Chargers, but at the age of 30, I think it's fair to believe he's certainly on the backside of his prime. Allen Lazard has the opportunity to be the Packers' number one wide receiver. The question is, does he have the talent to be that player? After a couple of shaky picks, grabbing Chase Claypool late was a savvy move by the new dad to round out his receiving core. Overall, the outdoor Heady Nuggets receive a B minus. With the second pick, let's take a look at the Prisbags. The first thing that jumps out with the Prisbags draft is taking Joe Burrow over Mahomes, Hertz, and even Kyler Murray. To be kind, we will call that unconventional. Prismatics does have a couple explosive weapons in Tyreek Hill and DK Metcalf. However, there is shockingly little depth in that group, as Nicole Collins and LaVisca Chanel are the only other receivers on their roster. By default, I think you have to call running back Prismatic strength. They are certainly hoping that Austin Eckler can repeat the excellent season he had last year. However, in running back years, Eckler is getting to a dangerous age. Antonio Gibson was on the verge of losing his job on early downs and short yardage before the unfortunate Brian Robinson incident. Add that he already concedes the passing game work to former Buffalo Bill J.D. McKissick, and you have to wonder what Gibson really brings to the table. Damian Harris was a beast last year, scoring 15 touchdowns, and if Prismal knew what the word regression meant, he would be concerned that that number can only go in one direction this season. Grade, C-. Don't do drugs, kids. Pick three belongs to the Rammers. Rammers' season will likely go however Christian McCaffrey decides it to. When CMC is right, there is no other player in the league with his ceiling. His best comp is prime Marshall Falk. That's a bet I'm willing to take. Grabbing Brees Hall to pair with him could prove to be a dynamic backfield. But you never really know with the Jets. rammers also boasts a potential strong group of pass catchers. Michael Pittman should improve on a productive 2021 simply by the upgrade at quarterback. However, he does have a little bit more target competition this year. There is mixed feelings on Juju in the fantasy football marketplace this season. Hard to imagine that many players have made a bigger QB upgrade in their career from going to the corpse of Big Ben to Patrick Mahomes. It wasn't long ago that Juju was one of the top receivers in the league. But when he hit the open market this year, he did not garner a ton of interest. It'll be interesting to see how this season plays out for him. Darnell Mooney is a very talented receiver, but the Bears might be the most dysfunctional team in the league. So, who knows? Round that out with Mark Andrews, and the Rammers are a force to be reckoned with. Rammers receive an A-. With the fourth pick, the Canadagua Connection. The Connection may have the most balanced starting lineup in the league. Whenever you start your receiving core with Cooper Cup, you automatically have a leg up on most of your competition. Cup does not have to repeat his historic 2021 to pay off this season. Add Hollywood Brown and Christian Kirk, both going to new teams and hoping to make a big impact in their new homes. That's a strong group. Cole Komet has limited target competition and saw plenty of them last year, but If you'll be able to turn those targets into more production, remains to be seen. There's no doubt that Elijah Mitchell and Nick Chubb are both talented running backs. But neither of them see a lot of work in the passing game, which limits their ultimate ceilings. Oh yeah, and the connection also has a quarterback. Grade, A-. Bushnell had the fifth pick. He starts off with a couple of men in his backfield. Derrick Henry was tearing up the fantasy landscape prior to his injury last season. He carries a heavy load and definitely has a lot of miles on him. Can he continue to be an outlier in terms of production? We shall see. I am very high on Saquon this year. I think he will benefit from a major upgrade in coaching, and he should be healthier than he was at any point last season. And he's still only 25 years old. Add on one of last year's fantasy league winners in Rashad Penny on Bushnell's bench, and there's no doubt the backfield is a strength for this team. But the receiving group is also solid. Mike Evans is a touchdown machine, and Brandon Cook has long been an under-the-radar producer. And big things are expected out of Jerry Judy, who will be playing with, by far, the best quarterback of his career. While Tyler Lockett is on the opposite end of that quarterback change, he could prove to be a solid depth piece. A strong B-plus drafted on an airplane by Bushnell. With the sixth pick, the Hoodies Heroes. It's hard not to like the Hoodies' first three picks. There's an argument to be made that Justin Jefferson could have been the first wide receiver off the board. Pairing him with Javante Williams, who was a beast last year, and a remarkably consistent but still rising DJ Moore, I think I'd put that group up against anyone's top three picks. Adding a potential breakout season from Gabe Davis and Hunter Renfro working the slot in a new offense, we've got a solid receiver group on Team Hoodie. Kareem Hunt should add value as a second running back, but I don't love drafting Melvin Gordon as a handcuff when you've already got Javante on the roster. The hoodies also have a quarterback. Overall, it's a B-plus for the new resident of the Queen City. With the seventh pick, Believe. I really like Believe's top two receivers. C.D. Lamb is in position for a significant bump in usage if Dallas decides to take advantage of that. And what's not to love about A.J. Brown? He is the definition of got that dog in him. I'm not as high as some people are on Dalvin Cook this year. He's getting to a dangerous age threshold for a running back. He's never played a full season, and there's some concern that some of his injuries, specifically his shoulder, are more lingering year to year than some other players out there. However, with a coaching change and a potentially more prominent passing attack, that could actually benefit Cook by getting him more high value touches. A.J. Dillon could be a true breakout performer this year. The Packers offense may be limited in talent this year, so getting him the ball should be one of their priorities. It's hard to know what to expect out of the Bills running backs this year. We all want Singletary to do well. There's definitely a path to him getting the groundwork between the 20s, which is not great in the fantasy world. Overall, a strong team as usual and a B-plus for the returning champ. Flying Eaglers chime in with the eighth pick. Fantasy football is a game built to have fun. So, I tip my cap anytime someone decides to follow their heart. That is exactly what the Eagles did with the pick of Josh Allen at eight overall. Eaglers did a solid job of surrounding their premier quarterback with talent. James Conner is certainly in position to build on his breakout season last year. If he can do it back to back years will be the big question. The Dolphins brought in Chase Edmonds and free agency for a reason. He has a path path to a big workload. Debo is a stud of a football player. The concern is they had eight rushing touchdowns last year to finish where he did. It's hard to see that repeating. So will he be able to make up that production with Trey Lance throwing him the ball? We'll see. Big things are expected out of Devonta Smith this year. And add to that Allen Robinson in last year's Odell role, and it's a solid receiver group for the eagler. A B in our grading program, but an A-plus in our hearts for the high-flying eaglers. Voluptuous picked from the nine hole. I try my best to be honest with you guys. This is one of those instances where I get no joy out of doing so. I don't love the running backs on the voluptuous roster. The Bengals have shown no interest in playing Joe Mixon on passing downs for reasons that no one quite understands. While the Cowboys seem set on grinding it out with Zeke, even though it's clear he's not the most talented running back on their roster. The Raiders' backfield looks like a mess, and I don't think that Jacobs is a very good player. Other than that, their backfield's fine. Devontae Adams is an elite wide receiver. Will he suffer from breaking that tight bond he had with Aaron Rodgers? Or will the shower narrative take over? I'm also a bit skeptical that Michael Thomas can be a dominant player this year. The last time he caught a touchdown pass, COVID-19 did not exist. Voluptuous gets a B- ring of honor member the veterans pick 10th it's nice to see the veterans pair what should be two pass catching running backs together alvin kamara and travis Etienne should really pair nicely together while their careers may be on different trajectories at this point it may not matter for this season Moving on, if Lamar Jackson can return to the passing form he showed in 2019, Rashad Bateman should benefit from that. So that could also be a really nice stack working for the veterans. Terry McLaurin has always produced with garbage quarterbacks throwing him the ball. So there's reason to believe he can do so again, but that will definitely be challenged this season. I don't think it would be a big surprise to see Sky with two eyes, take over the flex role for the veterans down the stretch. Overall, the veterans get a B. The King drew the 11th pick. What an interesting draft for this team. He started out with three consecutive running backs, Fournette, Aaron Jones, and David Montgomery. While Fournette was definitely a reach, the Tampa Bay running backs get a lot of high-value touches, and if he can produce like he did last year, which is a big if, it may not be that bad of a pick. The Aaron Jones pick is fine. As we mentioned earlier, he will be one of the few players with actual talent on the Packers' offense. However, David Montgomery stinks. Those picks were followed by five legitimately good picks at wide receiver. If you're going to start with three running backs, this is a strong way to bounce back. I love taking a shot on both London and Burks. Neither rookie has a lot of target competition in front of them. I think Burks may take a little bit longer to pay off, but he should be strong during the second half of the season. The queen is... Gets a B. Southern Mafia drafted from the 12th spot. Talk about a reach. Kyle Pitts in round two? What an idiot. Your running backs stink. I liked receivers, but you should have taken better running backs. And Kyler Murray is too busy playing Call of Duty to care about football. B- minus for Southern Mafia. F-Boys at 13th in the lineup. To no one's surprise, the F-Boys put together another strong team. DeAndre Swift, Tony Pollard, and Ramondre Ray form a formidable backfield. Diggs, T. Higgins, and Cortland Sutton, another strong trifecta at wideout. QB is certainly the biggest hole for the F-Boys. It was a strategic gamble they made. And we'll see if Tua can finally live up to his draft capital. B-plus for the F-boys. The Blazers round us out from the 14 hole. I know Adam likes his team, and I'm happy for him. Najee is definitely a gamble. He led the league in touches last year, but showed no explosiveness. He could get a second-year bump, but I think he will probably have decreased targets with Big Ben not checking down to him so fast. J.K. Dobbins and Chris Godwin may not be ready to go for week one, which isn't the end of the world, but when James Robinson is the only other back on the roster, that is not great. MVS has a chance to do big things in the Chiefs offense, but he's never shown to be a big target earner. I do think Jalen Hurts will be very good this year, and he can probably pencil Travis Kelsey in for a top three tight end finish. Fittingly, the Blazers get a B. To close us out, I'm going to take a stab at predicting the eight playoff teams this year. I didn't feel like looking up last year's prediction to see how I did. I'd like to say that I won eight for eight. There's almost zero chance that I picked Prisbull or Bit to make the playoffs last year. So probably not batting 1,000 there either. This year, in no particular order, the eight playoff teams as I see them are the Rammers, the Canandaigua Connection, Bushnell, Hoodies Heroes, the Veterans, the Flads, Southern Mafia, And the F-Boys. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for playing. Thank you all for having fun. Go Bills.